Welcome to the Two Girls, One Puck podcast. Today brought to you by a potentially friendship-ending Stanley Cup final. Uh, Real Talk Tuesday, guys. <laughs> no biggie. It's gonna be fine. This isn't exactly what both of us secretly wanted, but were also terrified of happening. No, I didn't the beginning of the playoffs. Well, see, like, I would want it because... Well, of course, you don't want Pittsburgh to get no. to the final. But, like, I was like, I was like, oh, well, I mean, the Sharks, I really like the Sharks. Really anyone but the Blackhawks. So today on the podcast, uh, don't worry, we are going to be talking about the conference finals and the upcoming Stanley Cup final. Oh, my God. Uh, we are also going to be talking about uh, Paul Bissonnette. That's BizNasty 2.0, for those of you who only frequent the Twitters. Uh, and how he handled a potentially terrible situation, terrible, yeah. terrible PR situation really, really well. Mm-hmm. And I frankly could not have asked for better from a professional athlete. So A plus thumbs up. You get the you Especially get the thumbs up and smile emoji. Yeah. So Biz Nasty. Wait a just just golf clap. Golf clap for Biz Nasty right now. Okay. Uh we're also gonna be talking about Jenny Scrivens and her retirement from the NWHL. We're also gonna be talking about Amanda Castle, because let's be real, it's not a podcast if we don't talk about Amanda Castle. Uh and <laughs> or Hillary Knight. I you know what? <laughs> One of the both 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 is good. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about, I don't know, Mark Edward Vlasic being a cool dude. Stand up, stand up guy. Start with Jenny, Jenny Scrivs. Yeah. We'll, start, we'll start with the more depressing news and move our way up. On May 11th, uh, Jen Neal of Puck Daddy wrote an article aptly in, entitled, Jenny Scrivens Retires Opting for Family Over Dream Job. And I, I thought the article was great. Um, yeah, Jen Neal's stuff is generally pretty spot on when it comes to women's hockey. You got a lot of respect for her. In it, she talks a lot about how uh, Jenny Scrivens is retiring both as the Riveters goalie and from her job as the Riveters uh, social media manager. What I didn't know that I learned in the article is that I didn't know that Jenny Scrivens was only planning on being a goaltender for a year in the league. Yeah, I was unfamiliar with that plan, too. Although, in hindsight, like, it makes, I guess it makes sense, but it's, we're sort of talking about that and how the woman's career always comes after. Yeah, I I don't think we want to spend too, too long on this, but we felt this was a really sort of obvious and useful example to mention the experience of being the partner of an NHL player. Mm-hmm. Even an NHL player like Ben Scrivens, who wasn't playing in the NHL most of last season. He and Jenny met at Cornell. They were both playing hockey and in school there. And God, what what dummies. Such a it's like this couple doesn't have anything going for them. World class athletes and extremely t- and I'm gonna be quiet. Well, no, it's that we always slightly disagree on that, which is that I'm like, yes, I I would say that's probably true for the woman. If you are a male sports player and you are playing your sport at a really good school, I don't make assumptions that you got in based on your grades. True. Because you're hardly in class. So that was my pause. However, I'm not saying that to say that I do think that Ben Scrivens, Ben Scrivens, I can talk. I'm not saying that Ben Scrivens is not smart. Um, I think that he and Jenny are like kind of we're a power couple. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Part of why I'm bummed that she's retiring. I know. I think I think we're all pretty bummed she's retiring. But that's, I guess, what what we were trying to talk about was that she's basically that Jenny was left with the decision to make of whether she was going to continue her career as a hockey player and as a PR and social media manager, or if she was going to settle down and have a family with Ben. And the fact that that's the well, for me, like, I don't know the the situation, and I will admit right now that I tend to be judgmental of the choice to give up your career for a, for your husband. Mm-hmm. Like, I will acknowledge that right now. So I'm trying to, t- to you know, keep it down. Like, I don't, I don't get, since, since she said in the article, she was quoted saying that um, the the media job she could do remotely. I don't get why she had to quit that one, especially because they talk about how they do want a family, you know, they do want kids, but they don't want them for a little bit of time. I understand one thing she said about uh, playing was that the reason why she signed on for a year. So she initially signed on as the media manager and then Danny Ryland called her and asked, would you be a goalie for the Riveters? And um, part of the idea was that, she does have a larger name partially because of Ben and partially because of her own career and being on hockey wives and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was going to be able to bring more, more viewership to the league. So the idea was like, I think, I think all of that is a really well thought out idea. I just am bummed that she is leaving. <sighs> That's, I'm just gonna have to keep going back to that. I have I have no other yeah. things. So Paul Bissonnette is not always the most politically correct individual on social media, and presumably uh, in his life, normally. Presumably, presumably in his life, um, he he's gotten a lot better over the last couple of years than he used to be right. three or four years ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, and that had not become more apparent than it did uh, a couple weeks ago. When uh, Sauce Hockey, which is a company that he didn't own but was very involved with in promoting. I didn't see what it was because it actually got taken. Sauce uh, it a- removed it from social media before yeah. I even heard about yeah, what it happened. Sauce had, Sauce had taken it down really quickly, which also, um, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a transphobic joke about Sidney Crosby. Okay. So this tweet was posted. Paul's uh, business had connections with this company for years. Um, made me really glad I didn't buy a bunch of their stuff yeah. last year when I was thinking about it. But anyway, so so this happened, and immediately Biz was getting a ton of tweets on it about it on Twitter. So he immediately tweeted, he's like, for those of you who saw the Sauce Hockey tweet today and have messaged me in regards to it, I hope you can read this. He then uh, posted, you know, uh, I am no longer involved with the company and apologize to anyone offended and posted a, a screenshot of this lengthy uh, sort of apology letter to to his Twitter. And then he tweeted thanking um, Patrick Burke and Bruce Arthur uh, for taking the time to talk and help him with the situation. And I was just really impressed because, like, that's, you know, usually if players get called out on saying something homophobic or transphobic or or any anything, really – They'll tend to, I'm sorry, the people were offended. I didn't mean this offensively. They run that that gambit. They don't actually apologize for what they said. They apologize the people were offended. And this here 
Biz, who had nothing to do with the tweet, apologized for the tweet, apologized for being involved with the company, and then immediately stopped being involved with the company. Well, and beyond that, he did all of those things which are right, but he also in in the uh, you know the screenshotted apology he clearly understood why the tweet was bad right he understood the the negative impact and so it wasn't just him making changes because oh i guess people are offended by this he was making changes clearly understanding that it was a problem i wanted to say that shout out to biz nasty i i tweeted about it on the podcast twitter when it happened yeah because i was just really impressed Frankly, and, uh, you know, I don't get to be happy about stuff like that. There's not a lot of situations where an NHL player responds to an incident like that the way that I, I like, I, I couldn't have asked for him to respond to it better. So, so that was nice. So thank you, Biz Nasty, for being a good, a good dude. Thumbs up emoji. So that was, like, the second. So, so we're working, see, from, like, most depressing, Jenny Scrivens leaving the NWHL to less depressing, hey, look, Biz Nasty's learning how to be an adult. And now we're moving on to the best part. Not depressing at all. Not, not an iota of depression. Amanda Kessel signed with the Riveters. I don't, I'm clear. I'm I'm sure that some listeners in Cleveland uh, didn't manage to hear that. Could you uh, (laughs) do that for me again? Amanda Kessel signed with the Riveters. Hashtag best Kessel. Best Kessel deserves the best. She does. She She signed for $26,000, which is the most that any NWHL player will be paid. Yup. I mean, um, she deserves every cent of that, so. She does. Yeah. And and it's a wonderful story. She was concussed not even a year and a half ago, and most people, including herself, assumed that she would never be able to play hockey again. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she's had such an incredible recovery and is now going on to be to play hockey professionally in a league where she gets paid and she gets paid well. Mm-hmm. It's just the coolest man. The best. It's so good. It's all so good. So good. So good. Uh, I'm not really sure what else to say about that. Yeah, I'm just sitting That's smiling it. and staring yeah, out the window. Just, it's, just, it's just it's just good news. Uh, other things that make Clea sit, smile, and stare out the window. Uh, conference finals. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that transition. Oh, guys, I wish you could see her face, dude. Her face, as like my face, when I, I mean, as I'm sure you, I just couldn't stop smiling. I was sitting with my boyfriend's family, and I kept running downstairs. I would only come upstairs to to socialize during intermissions during Game Seven, so that I didn't miss any of the game action. And I just couldn't. I came upstairs and I was like in tears, couldn't stop smiling. I don't know what was it like. What was it like for you, Clea? Was it how was it a magical? Was it a magical moment when you find out that your team was going to the Stanley Cup final for the uh, first time in franchise history? Well, I had to work during almost all the games in the past two weeks, so I have watched none of them live, but I've watched all of them now. <laughs> <laughs> so all of them I watched already, knowing what the score was and how they did. Right, but I was. So incredibly happy. And and it's funny, I, t- I texted Emily this later, but I, because the Sharks made it to the final before the Pens did. Right. And listeners, you all know that I hate the Penguins. This isn't, this isn't a secret. This isn't news. But 
I was like, regardless of my feelings for the Penguins, a part of me does not want them to make it to the final just because if they do, Emily and my team will be playing against each other, and I don't know if our friendship can take that. I, on the other hand, was just praying that the Blues were going to force a Game 7 so that the Sharks-Blues series would be decided after the Penguins series so that I didn't have to root for one of your teams until I absolutely knew which team from the Eastern Conference. Because if it was going to be Tampa Bay, right, Tampa Bay was going to make the final, I would be wearing Brent Burns jerseys for the next three weeks. Like, that's just a thing that would, would happen. But if they were playing Pittsburgh, I was like, dude, I don't, because like, okay, I like the Sharks, right? We all know that I like the Sharks. I've got soft spots for like literally every player on that team, except weirdly Joe Pavelski, because that dude who was shouting on me on public transit about Joe Pavelski like a year and a half ago, it still bothers me. I Uh, understand that it bothers you, but he's like a generally good dude. Oh no, Joe Pavelski's great. It's it's not, I don't dislike him. And he's like the one player I'm ambivalent towards. He's called Captain America. You love comics. You have to like him. I do. Him. It's true. I it's hate true, comics, I think, and I like him. I think of when I think of Captain America, I think of um, uh, Zach Parisi more than I think of Joe Pavelski. Except that he's not called Captain America. Joe well, he was. Is. He was during the Olympics when he was captain of the United <laughs> States of America. Not <laughs> anymore. No, not anymore. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, actually, that's something we need to to put to talk about later. Oh yeah, fucking World snubs, Cup. World Cup of Hockey snubs, okay. dude. Phil Kessel, bro, and PK Subban. What are you thinking? Well, Phil Team Kessel, Kessel, I bet it's just like great. I get to stay home. And get <laughs> Extra three days of vacation. <laughs> actually, we shouldn't it's like make two weeks uh, of vacation. It's another. That's another thing I need to talk about is Phil Kessel's conditioning and Pierre Maguire. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> But, but so I I was like, you know, if the Sharks, right, like if the Sharks win, I will, I mean, I will be devastated, <laughs> right? But I will be okay with it because it will mean that Paul Martin got to raise the cup. And that is a thing that I want so much in the world. She's about to cry. <laughs> I, I wish that Cleo was joking, but no, I definitely just teared up at the thought of Paul Martin raising the cup. Um. That I would survive that, but I was like, I was like, dude, Clea hates the Penguins. If the Penguins, if the Penguins win, that's that's. I'm more worried about our friendship if the Pens win. Oh yeah, I'm not at all worried about win. our friendship if the Sharks win, because like we will not want to talk about it for a few days. Right. I will, I will leave you be if you just don't want to talk for a few days. Yeah, and I yeah. think that after that we will move forward. If the Pens right. win, I don't know that we can be friends. She's just gonna be so angry about it. I mean, what if it what if it ends in like game seven triple overtime? No, you know that's. I no. literally there is no circumstance under which the Pens will win, and I will not be incredibly unhappy. They could be playing any other team in the league, and I would want them to lose. It's true, and now they're playing her team, so this is going to be great, guys. I'm going to sit over here and be magnanimous about. <laughs> it's like the only time that we will ever talk, and I will be more opinionated than you. It's true. It's true. Usually, usually I'm the one that's being told to calm down. Like, I know, you know, it's not the Chicago Blackhawks, New York Rangers final that Gary Bettman dreams of every single year. But, ah, ha, 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 fuck you. Both of those teams got knocked out in the first round. Say what? What? <laughs> Thank you, Clea. But I think it's it's in terms of, like, skill level of teams who came in, short of, 
like a a Capitals yeah. Sharks or even Tampa Bay. It's basically the best pairing you could have in terms it's, of skill. In terms of skill. And and also in terms of narrative for the season. Right? Like like there's so many cool stories coming into these playoffs and co- and now being built in these in in the playoffs, right? right? Like I'm sure you know, nobody expected Marc-Andre Fleury to have only played one and, well, 67 minutes, 65 minutes, I can't remember when they pulled him, um, of hockey. Right. This playoffs. Like, what? Nobody, nobody would have expected that. I don't think anybody necessarily expected Martin Jones to be doing as well as he did this far along. Uh, and he's just been incredible. Minus the 6-3 loss, Yeah. We won't talk. I, you know, things happen. They do. It's true. Bad nights. Well, bad nights. Well, that's what was so interesting, actually, about that game is that part of what has been, um, I think, what makes Martin Jones very good is that he's calm and he doesn't tend to let he doesn't tend to let goals really shake him all that much. If they score right. on him, he just looks like he's ready for the next one. Well, and that's how, and that's how Murray has been, and like that's one of the big well, ones is like. Well, but I was going to say young. with the six three game, as in the six three one when we lost, not the mm-hmm. next one when we won. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, with that, I mean, yes, he got pulled, but beyond that, he just looked rattled and upset. So I think that that was absolutely part of why more goals kept coming in. Right, right, because he was not not comfortable in his net. It's that the the baby goalies storyline has been a huge one this playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you got Martin Jones, you had up until, you know, a couple of days ago, you had Andre Vasilevsky coming in for Ben Bishop, which my God, could Ben Bishop possibly have worse luck in the playoffs? Like I have so much respect for him as a player. And I just feel so bad because it seems like every single year he gets injured right before or during the playoffs. Well, he just gets injured easily. He does. He's injury prone. Oh, but he's so good. I mean, I'm glad that the Penguins didn't have to face him. Although, it's not to say that Andre Vasilevsky didn't put up a fight. I mean, the Pens were, like, doubling shots on Tampa Bay for that whole that whole series. And that was that was one of the things that I noticed about Pittsburgh and how they played in the conference final, is, like, when the times that we were down, the games that we lost, well, one of them, um, we stepped it up, came back in the third period, <laughs> three-goal deficit, and then lost in overtime. Right. Um, but when, when the Pens are... They, they, it's, it, there's not holes in our game so much as when they don't play their way, things go badly. Right. Which I guess is, I don't even know if you call that a hole in a game or just when the system, when we can't use our system. I mean, and I a, think that happens a, a little bit for you guys too, right? Like it, when you can't get that speed, you can't, you get stuck in the, when you get stuck in the defensive zone for lengthy periods of time, it starts to shake up the the core. Yeah. I mean, for both our teams, it ends up being a lack of flexibility. Our teams are not very able to adjust to having to play a slightly different style. Which is what's going to make this series so interesting because either either nothing's going to happen or everything's going to happen. I don't think there's going to be much in the middle. I don't know. I mean, so so I don't – I'm asking this. I don't know the answer to it. Do the Penguins take a lot of penalties? Mm-hmm. Not unless Chris Letang is throwing a tantrum. Okay. Or Andy Malkin's throwing a tantrum. So the the so, answer is, in our best games, no. In the games where we start to lose sight of how we're playing, 
our bad games is taking penalties. So that's, you know, the Sharks, and the, the if, reason, they, if they want right, to win this the series, reason, they need to make the Pens take penalties. That's what I was going to say. It's the reason why I asked is because the Sharks' power play is and has been the best in the league. Our penalty kill's pretty good, but it's not that good. <laughs> it's not um, the best in the league. <laughs> right. Well, it's and, and their power play is, is pretty, pretty dominant, the Penguins. At least it can be when Malkin gets going, when any of them get going. Phil Kessel. That's 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 been my that's been my that he he's been he is my favorite narrative from this playoffs Phil Kessel himself and that's I think that's just what's been so interesting is like looking into these playoffs it's I think if Cleo was slightly more ambivalent towards the Penguins she'd be more inclined to agree with me on this looking at if, if I could look at this from an outsider's perspective right these are these are two teams we you know one of which has never won one of which hasn't won in seven years and it's and they're teams full of guys that you really like. My pen's like, thought. I can't, I can't. I like, I hate the pen, so I don't want them to win. I don't have No, I know, but like, if I you can. I want Phil Kessel well, to win and no one else on, and Bo Bennett and no one else on that team. But like, if you, but if you like, if you look, if you look away from this, like, if you're somebody who's not a Sharks fan or a Penguins fan and you're looking at this series, it's like, look at these, look at the incredible talent that's here. Look at these guys that are just, are every, everyone on both of these teams is so deserving. Yeah. It's not like one of those teams where I'm like, oh, I like you, but right. There's no, but for either of these teams, I think for most people who aren't Clea. I mean, I will agree that there is, that both make really good narratives. I mean, it's, you know, the Sharks have been struggling in the playoffs lately. It's, I'm just so excited. Like, I just am so excited that Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe made it to a right? cup final. That's just so cool. That's so cool. Joe Thornton, the longer your beard gets, the better your chances get. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Mo beard, Mo wins. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of beards, Sidney Crosby's beard is still terrible, but it's less terrible, in case in case anyone was wondering and hasn't been watching the playoffs. Uh, Sid still can't grow a beard. Yevgeny Malkin uh, has decided to grow a beard, I think, for the first time in the playoffs in his NHL career, and uh, it looks like a like moss or a dead possum, possibly both. A mossy dead possum. I'm gonna need you to post a photo of that. I will. I will tweet a photo of Yevgeny Malkin's terrible beard. Thank you. Probably not right now. I mean, but it's, it's I bad. mean, if there were a beard battle, obviously my team would win. If if you won Stanley Cups based on your beard, it would be the Sharks. True. It's true. Be. It's very true. It's very true. And it would not be the Penguins. No. <laughs> Although I have but to I mean, say, like Logan... Phil Kessel and Patrick Hornquist have pretty solid beards. I was going to say, right and people like Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle are trying to bring down the Sharks team's beard. <laughs> the average, the beard average yeah. on the team is seriously, seriously lessened by the addition of of the turtle. But you know, he's young. He has time. Right. Exactly. That's what I've been saying about Sid. (laughs) His entire career. Yeah. He's a little too Uh, old for that now. Beards. I knew it was going to get into beards at some point. I even had that in the notes. But we can, we can nicely transition into tug of beard. Oh, that's true. We could talk about the tug of beard. There was a beard tugging competition between David Backus and Joe Thornton. I mean, in Joe Thornton's defense, David Backus tugged his beard first. Okay. Because this is the playground. <laughs> Isn't it? If you're tucking people's no, beard. It, <laughs> it is absolutely the playground. What's it, do you get, what is that, two minutes for, <laughs> two minutes for playground bullying? <laughs> 
but yes, rather than rather than fighting each other, they just tugged each other's beards. It's a much much more adult way. It it honestly made me think of the Shakespearean. I I bite I my thumb, sir, but not at you. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can someone please please make a gift set? Do you tug my beard, sir? <laughs> I please someone make that happen on the internet. I need to see that in my life. Thanks. I wonder if we tweet it out if someone will make it happen. We have a lot of things to tweet. Evgeny Malkin's face moss. Please make us a gift set. Of him with moss on his face. <laughs> of, sh- of Shakespeare clothes. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to talk about Mark Edward Vlasic. Apparently after the East- the Western Conference final, Mark Edward Vlasic donated $2,500 to the David and Kelly Backus Foundation. I don't. Can we start giving out awards for like for like MVP of the episode? Because I think Mark Edward Vlasic gets it right there. That's yeah, just, that's incredibly classy. I didn't it's know it happened, classy. so I yeah. have nothing to add. <laughs> it just it was. I saw that the I just saw a tweet about it the other day, and I was and I I couldn't remember what Twitter I was on, so I was trying not to favorite it and reblog it or whatever you do on Twitter. Repost it, retweet it. That one. I can English. I can English, and so can you. So, I don't know if any of you have been paying attention to the internet, but there have been a couple key snubs for this World Cup of Hockey thing. Uh, Most teams announced their final five or six players. Uh, Was it yesterday? Maybe the day before? And a couple notable names that were missing from their respective teams list were, uh, let's see, P.K. Subban, who, while not being in the playoffs, is a Norris Trophy winner, and an Olympic gold medalist, and I don't know, pretty consistently in the Norris Trophy conversation every single season. Yeah, just I would say. Usually the difference between his team making the playoffs and not. uh, Plus or minus the Carey Price. (laughs) (laughs) Plus or, yeah, right. I was going to say the only player that Carey Price does not need to carry around in his Montreal Canadiens backpack. And then the other one, which... Since they're French. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The other one that that you know, I was I was annoyed about PK Subban, um, and we can talk about how I feel. That's just I don't what it, just racism. Why what is why is PK off the team? PK had a had a perfectly acceptable, if not good, season on a Montreal Canadiens that spent the entire season in the bottom ten. I mean, except for the nine game win streak that Pricey took them on at the beginning of the season, but like after that, it was just all downhill from there. I just it, it makes me mad. I'm like, why isn't you know? Why isn't Kinger Subban? What, is, whatever, what else does he need to do to prove himself? Right. Like, he's done everything. I mean, short of win a Stanley Cup, but that's not exactly his fault. He's put in some damn good effort. Uh, he can't help it that Chris Kreider keeps kicking Carey Price in the crotch, you know? Anyway, the other player that was notable that got left off, and it makes me even matter who he got left off for, was Phil Kessel. Okay? Phil Kessel had a... Like, his season in the NHL wasn't great. He didn't bust 30 goals, but it was still a good season, right? And considering all the issues that the Penguins had for the first half of the season, you know, I'll, I'll cut Phil Kessel some slack, man. But he's also like, had the most amazing playoffs run. Exactly. Like, he's he's had a playoffs run that, that most NHL players can only dream of, right? I mean, it, it's he's, he's leading the Penguins in goals. He's leading the Penguins in points. It's been absolutely – he's out – I mean, I don't want to say that he's outplaying Sidney Crosby, but he's certainly outscoring Sidney Crosby right now. I still think Sid is he's uh, a playmaker still. Layings down the lot. Well, they uh, <laughs> the game the other night, apparently Penguins possession without Sid on the ice, five on five, was 50%. Penn's possession with Sid on the ice was 87.5%. 
I guess that he's good. I mean, that's not, it's just, those fancy stats, man. You know, they're just trying to math hockey. You can't math hockey. It's, it's You need those intangibles. Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> Tell me what intangibles Phil Kessel doesn't have, because the dude's, the dude's won silver medals for Team USA. He's an incredible, an incredible athlete. He has shown that year in and year out on teams like the Toronto frickin' Maple Leafs that could not have possibly dug themselves deeper into a hole. Congrats on the first pick, by the way, Toronto Maple Leaf. It's, and, and yet, no, he can't even, but, but you know who does get, you know who does get a Team USA spot, Clay? You know who did? You know what piece of scummy, scum, face flashy scum got a spot on Team USA? Brandon Dubinsky. They picked Brandon Dubinsky over Phil Kessel. I don't, I, I don't even know how you justify that. Team USA, I don't even know how you justify that. Do you desperately need somebody for the third line? Whatever. Did they did they pick one person per team? Uh, I don't think so. No. I'm just curious if they if any of the decisions were them going, oh, maybe we need someone from the Canucks after all. I that was an example. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know. I can't think of any American players. Any other American players from the Penguins who are on Team USA? Uh, the only other American player that I can think... Nope. Nope. He's not American. Never mind. Well, I will say... Memories on Team North America, because he's a yeah, child. exactly. I will say that I really like the, you know, minus, like, two defensemen who I don't like, but I understand hockey-wise why they were chosen. I think that the Team Canada team was great. And I will definitely be Team North America, because can't be Team America when Patrick Kane's on it. Nope. 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 Team North America, here we go. I am rooting for Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel and Matt Murray. I'm mostly... Hurdle. Mostly... Is he... Is, is Hurdle on... No. He would be on Team North America. What am I... Who am I kidding? No, I Team North about, America like, is only if you're American or Canadian. North Americans. North Americans. Young ones. The little baby... Baby North Americans. Yeah, Tomasz Hurdle is on the Czech team, I think. Jaromir Jagr is staying retired from the national team, so he will not be playing, despite having signed a contract for the next NHL season. Yeah. Yaro, I'm just so happy that you exist. Uh, but yeah, so it's, those, are, those are the two big snubs that I've seen that I was frustrated by, especially because Phil Kessel's former teammate and former linemate, James, uh, James Van Hockey, James Van Riemsdyke, made the cut. Well, I think JVR is very good, but... I JVR is very just, good, but JVR is not better than Phil Kessel. But I don't think he's worse, necessarily. Uh, Phil Kessel, over the years, has has sometimes been unable to play well if he doesn't like his line mates. Like, he, he seems to be a, a little more, like, volatile of a player. Fair enough, fair enough. So I could see when you're putting together a team that's only going to have, like, two weeks. I, I do understand that, but I also completely agree with you that Phil Kessel was snubbed. Yeah, super big snub. I'm sure Phil's probably happy about it because, of course, you know, his conditioning is so crap. It's not like he's made it through umpteen games in the playoffs and an entire NHL season. That's that's the best. I mean, how's the, his breath? Yeah, right. Oh, God. Okay, so for those of you who didn't see this, uh, it was after oh, I can't remember. It was a game early in the early in the Tampa Bay series, and Pierre Maguire is interviewing Phil Kessel post game. And Phil had at one point during the game like put his head down on the bench 
and just because <sighs> he needed to breathe because he was pl- he played like 28 minutes that night also or something because totally ridiculous. The way hockey shifts work, you're basically doing the equivalent of a sprint for however long you're out there. Like, yep. if you don't get out of breath occasionally, I would be amazed. So Pierre <laughs> asks Phil how his how his breath is. <laughs> and Phil, my darling, light of my life, doesn't totally get his question. He or or purposely doesn't get the question, which I would find you perhaps more hilarious. And Phil's response is, is not, oh yeah, condi-, you know, it's to answer a question about conditioning, but he's like, oh god, is it it must be rank. Because he thinks that Pierre Maguire is talking about how bad his breath is because Pierre Maguire is known to sit quite close to the players he's interviewing. <laughs> and it takes Pierre a second to realize what Phil is. So there was this, like, awkward, neither one of us quite quite knows what's going on, back and forth. And then Phil just cracked up. I was going to say, I mean, part of me... I don't particularly enjoy Pierre Maguire interviews, but part of me wants Pierre Maguire to always interview Phil Castle. Like, it's who's just, able to get emotions like that out of him? Nobody. Uh, well, winning the conference final, actually, Phil's apparently, uh, well, his his postgame after Game 7 was really emotional, and, the, like, the especially his line mates and, like, like, teammates who have been to the cup final before are just like, it's really cool to see Phil this excited because he's never... He's like he's a he's such a stoic guy, you know, especially in front of the media to see him like giddy like a schoolboy with happiness has been really, really something. It makes me it makes me happy on the inside to see Phil Castle be excited. Sorry, I just wanted to have my one moment going back to World Cup of Hockey to say yeah. that I'm very proud of how many San Jose Sharks made it, mm-hmm. especially to Team Canada. There are, I think, three of us. Was it Bernsey? Thornton, and Vlasic. And Vlasic, yeah. And then Pavelski's on Team USA. Yeah, Hurdle's on the Czech team. There's more, but I don't remember them, because World Cup of Hockey doesn't mean a whole lot. But (laughs) it means a lot when I want it to. Precisely, like when I have a point to make about P.K. Subban and racism. Yeah. Oh, Robin Polak also made it to the Czech team. Oh, hot dog. Probably the, the coolest part for me, you know, again, looking at this at this playoffs from an outsider, the two teams coming into this Stanley Cup final have some really incredible storylines and have just done a lot of a lot of work to get where they are. And it's what's interesting about it is that it's not two teams that like blew up their core. They've had the opportunity to do so several times, like both teams have gone through huge upheavals in management and coaching and and to the players, not necessarily the core players, but the characters surrounding the core players um, have taken, have have made some big changes. I mean, I think someone was saying, like, of the Penguins that played last year, only eight of the Penguins currently on the team, like, currently playing games were on the team last year. Something ridiculous like that. I'm sorry. I got distracted because I got to thinking about Joe Pavelski, the cat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Pavelski. Yeah. But um, I think it's, you know, you're looking at this at a similar situation in San Jose, right? Like both teams made a couple big moves uh, over the summer and then a couple of big moves at the deadline that gave each of those teams the push while they've been doing well in the regular season the last few years, not 
not having the success in the playoffs that they wanted. Yeah. Well, so just a, it's interesting. a couple key moves. It's interesting because when we were talking over the summer when they signed Ward and Martin, I remember saying on the podcast, I believe, that I thought that the Sharks were were trying to approach this by sort of giving their team a chance in the moment while also helping give their young players a little more time in the AHL or on lower lines in the NHL so that when those contracts were up, we would still have a strong team, but we never had to go through a rebuild. You agreed with me at the time, but I know, you know, I I primarily listen to hockey podcasts, but so many other people who know far more about hockey than I do basically thought that the Sharks were kind of crazy for doing what they did and didn't think it was necessarily the smartest move. So it's funny to me that they did this approach and sort of similarly with the Penguins that both teams had this idea of not blowing everything up. Not right, just that making, Doug Wilson didn't try. <laughs> um, but just like making a, but making a minor changes, key changes. Well, I, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call Phil Kessel a minor change. By making, I meant uh, by making few changes, okay. like not tons okay. of changes. And now they're in stronger positions than they have been in years. Right. Well, and I mean, for the for the Penguins, too, a lot of it came from, you know, we had the big trade, our big trade, and really the only big thing they did over the summer, other than getting uh, Eric Fair, was getting Phil Kessel. Right. And that just monster, monster trade like eight people involved. Yeah. Uh, which actually is how you guys got Nick Spalling. <laughs> Cause he went to the Maple Leafs yeah. in the, in the Phil Kessel trade and then came to the Sharks. I find that entertaining. Uh, so the same team that he was on last year, he would have been in the Stanley cup final too, if he had stayed. Penguins, trades, it was yeah. the coaching change. Well, it was, yeah. the, it was, it was the trades, but for the Penguins, it was the coaching change. Right. Uh, now, not sure to say that too. Thomas yeah. Did you guys, was it, mid, was it mid, was it mid, mid season? No, but I mean, that's like, in yeah. general, the coaching changes were what right. also sparked right. this. Um, and the coaching change was, was huge and visible for the Penguins because it came midseason. There were about four games of sort of transition. getting adjusted. Yeah, transition transition period, which included Matt Murray's first NHL game, which I was actually at. That was the Pittsburgh game that I went to right before Christmas was Matt Murray's first NHL game. Oh. And then... And then the Penguins went like 37 and, and 15 over the rest of the season. I mean, it was absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to say that Mike Johnson was a bad goalie, or I'm sorry, a bad goalie, a bad coach. He's not a bad coach. He's a really good coach in juniors. Well, and I but, and I also don't think that th- that any of that means that he couldn't be a good NHL coach. It's just that maybe he shouldn't have been moved from juniors to a head coach in the NHL immediately. Right. Right. I mean, you're looking at a guy it's, you know, when you're coaching juniors, those kids to an extent need to be told how to play hockey and how to play hockey effectively and have a very strict idea of what kind of game they're playing. You know, who doesn't need to be told how to play hockey? Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Yeah. They're, they're pretty good at it all on their own. And so that was that, that, you know, coach Sullivan, like Sullivan has come in and really emphasized that kind of that aggressive puck moving game that the Penguins are so good at and have been so good at under his leadership. And I think it looks like a similar thing. It's just, it's interesting to see how similar the narratives are coming in 
Um, although I think the one the one difference is that you while well, your team doesn't have a lot of young bucks on it. I mean, other than ones that you've sort of brought in, I would say like Martin Jones, Tomas Hurdle is the only super young player that I can think of. I mean, we do. They're just not the biggest names. They're on lower lines. Right. Right. Because you know we have Nieto and we have um, uh, Jonas Donskoy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been big actually for us. Um, we have quite a few, but. They aren't, you know, <laughs> I, I pause because it's, it's just like the Sharks team last year and this year looked pretty radically different. But what it was last year was that all these AHL players were playing in the NHL. And then they were surprised by they, I mean, management was surprised that they weren't doing so great when they weren't ready or they needed to be able to not be the players that the team was like fully reliant on. Right. Right. Well, and that's yeah, sort we of what's have happened. the older narrative. You know, we have Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe who've been playing for so long and don't have a cup to show for it. Right. Right. Well, and it's in, in Pittsburgh, we've got these young guys who we brought up, you know, to replace people like Pascal Dupuis when he went, when he retired. Yeah. And who have who weren't getting relied on towards the beginning of the season, but now that we're getting into the playoffs, Brian Russ scored both goals for the Penguins in Game Seven the other night, and damn near had a third. I mean, I was shouting, sitting on my bed and shouting. Right. Um, and Connor Sheary is sitting there playing on the line with Patrick Hornquist and Sidney Crosby. I mean, like it's it's incredible to see these young these young guys who weren't necessarily getting the time. You know, Pens have been running three goalies all season, and now Matt Murray, who just turned twenty two last week is their go-to goalie for the Stanley Cup final. I mean, I don't think it's a, I don't think there's a question who's going to be in the net for game 1. Yeah, I think it's interesting that our team's strengths are often are actually pretty similar. Mhm. Um and I don't think that was true in the past. No. Uh but both of our teams are pretty fast teams. We have really strong offense, we have great depth on offense, but we also have some key defensemen Mm-hmm. are able to make it work. Uh, we obviously mentioned earlier, we both have strong special teams. I think the Sharks are a little bit better, but both have strong special teams, and we both have uh, goaltenders who aren't necessarily flashy, but can steal the game if needed. Right. Well, I think where you guys are probably a little bit stronger on special teams, the Pens are a little bit stronger on the five-on-five, just yeah. because we've got – I think the, I think Pittsburgh's got a little bit more depth in scoring on their forwards. I don't know that I agree with you. Fair enough. But I, but I do think that was, well, I think, I think part of the reason that I feel that way about Pittsburgh is because we have three first lines. Yeah. Cause we've got Sid Hornquist, Sheary, right? We've got Malkin, Rust and Kunitz. And then we've got HBK, the Hagelin, Benino, Kessel line. So they've got three first lines and then Matt Cullen and Tom Kuhn Hackle and whomever else they put on that line. Cause it changes. Uh, sometimes it's Rust, sometimes it's Bennett, sometimes it's, you know, but it's, it, and that's crazy, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess maybe my pause is that like, we have Joel Ward often playing on our third line and he's one of our best scorers. Right, exactly. I'm, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that no, you have. No, I don't think, sorry. I don't think that you were trying to say we weren't, we didn't have depth. You were just saying that we were a little bit stronger or you were a little bit stronger. Right. The Pittsburgh's a little bit, well, cause you guys, you're, mo, I don't think I'm wrong in suggesting that most of the scoring 
has come from your star players, right? Yeah. But it's also hard when that's basically your entire top two lines and part of your third line. Right. Right. You know, it's like, well, yes, it has, but there weren't many other names to add to that list. But a lot of, but a lot of the, but a lot of the guys on Pittsburgh, it's like, you know, Crosby and Malkin were both fairly quiet during the conference final series. I mean, obviously they were making plays, you know, Malkin had, had probably five or six assists over the course of that series Uh, and the goal. But, you know, I'm talking about the game guys who are changing, you know, Connor Sheary coming in every single night and making incredible plays with incredible shots. Brian Rust scoring game winners, multiple game winners, three goals in two nights. You know, it's and even the guys like even the HBK line, like Phil Kessel is a star on that line. But I don't think of Nick Benino as a star player. I don't think Nick Benino thinks of Nick Benino as a star player. Carl Hagelin is borderline, mostly because he's got those dreamy blue eyes uh, that I think <laughs> lean him towards the stuff. You can't deny it. That man is beautiful. I actually don't remember what he looks like. I'll look him up right oh, now. Google. But he's probably Google. like very Swedish, and that's not a look I'm into. He is. He is. He is very Swedish. Like you're. You're into the Nordic <laughs> thing. Accurate. Accurate. Uh, yeah. Although I don't. I don't at all. Oh no. I mean, he's not Johnny Oduya. He's not even Eric Carlson, though. Eric Carlson looks like he should be one of the Three Musketeers. Oh, he does, with his weird little mustache. That's been one of the big things. It was funny. Uh, so today at Media Day, Paul Martin got interviewed about the similarities between Brent Burns and Chris Letang as defensemen. And he said they ve- they play a very similar style of game. Burns is just a lot bigger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Chris No, they're, the people both, realize how- they're, both, they're both, like, great uh, offensive defense defensemen yeah we've talked about this before the similarities like there's a reason that paul martin ended up as brent burns's d partner right right, after playing as crystal tag's d partner for years so we've got a pretty sweet sweet final up ahead of us we'll see if we ever record again based on who wins yep might be a while for the next one guys sorry about that i think it'll probably be a while regardless because i wouldn't like i think that no matter who wins, we probably are not going to talk about it a whole lot. It'll be congratulations to whoever won and then moving on. That is how we can stay friends is if you never, ever talk to me about Pittsburgh winning if they win. Yeah. I mean, ever. I mean, no, like, passing mention. I know. In a couple years, you can maybe be like, yeah, that time they won in 2016. Just have to refer to it as the 2016 playoffs and nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> What you can't see is that we both know it's true. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, 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 she's not even remotely joking. Not even a little bit. Meanwhile, I'm out here trying to hoard Sharks merch for her from my friends who are working for NBC today. I will say what I always say, which is, you chose to like the team I hated. I did. I did. So that. I have very little sympathy when you try to make me feel bad for it. I'm not trying to make you feel bad for it. Or when you try to make yourself sound like the better person in this. <laughs> like, no, you actively chose the team that your best friend hated. Well, I didn't know how much you hated them. And I also feel like you, I feel like you hate them a lot more now that I like them than you did before then. No, I just had no reason to talk to you about it. On the on a final note, my final note for today's podcast was this. Joe Thornton and Phil Kessel, spurned by the brooms, succeeding after years of heartbreak. Yay! Yay! I'm just excited that a former, like, either 
either, no, no matter who wins, one of my favorite NHL players is lifting the cup this year. It's true. Because even if Pittsburgh Paul loses, Paul Martin gets to lift the cup. And I love Paul Martin as everyone who has ever listened to more than 30 seconds of this show can attest. It's true. She's actually cried over him. I actually cried over him earlier today. <laughs> Which is what made those texts so funny. I, I do know I do know her weak spot. Yeah. About six one in ginger. <laughs> and Minnesotan. Yeah. Like she's gonna make him hot dish and try to become his best friend. Mm-hmm. It's true. Hot dish and chocolate cake, Polly. I'm telling you, if you're ever in Denver, I will wine you and dine you. <laughs> we were trying so hard. So hard. <laughs> that was fun. All right. You've been listening to the Two Girls One Puck podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes at Two Girls One Puck, on Gmail and Tumblr at Two Girls One Puck Podcast, and on Twitter at TGOP Podcast. That's T G O P Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you, and we'll see you after the final. Maybe. You've been listening to the Two Girls One Puck Podcast. You can find us on Gmail and Tumblr at Jesus every time, Emily. Every time. I forget. Okay. I can do it.